we're back with another episode of Breaking Strings. This week, Dr. Renee Paul Gauthier is on the program. She's not only a violinist, but a performance coach, specializing in mindful practicing and performance anxiety. She's got a podcast called Mind Over Finger, and I really love that name. This is going to be a wonderful resource for anybody who's struggling with stage fright, for anybody who's trying to get more methodical about their practicing before performing. She's got a clinic coming up on April 1st and April 2nd. It's called the Performance Anxiety Solution. Go from fearful to empowered on stage. You can sign up for this clinic or future clinics at mindoverfinger.com. Renee, thanks so much for coming on. It's going to be exciting to finally meet you here. This is the virtual podcast land, so we're meeting for the first time here. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Peter. I really appreciate it. You know, I think that when I was in school, probably 2007, I was finishing my bachelor's degree, I started embarking on this kind of research project, and it was an independent research project because a lot of this stuff was not being taught in schools. And the two topics that you cover on your Mind Over Finger podcast, these are the topics that I started researching. It's how to practice and how to deal with performance anxiety, how to deal with stage fright. I really wasn't getting enough of that training in the conservatory. In fact, I always had questions and I was never getting straight answers. I want to ask you, what led you to finally get into this project? Because you really, really cover it so well. I mean, it's 150 plus episodes in the Mind Over Finger podcast. It's very, very impressive. Was there something in the beginning that led you to do that? Or were you finding that you were perhaps coping with it better than other people around you? Absolutely. I feel that, I mean, absolutely, yes, something led me to it. I'm not saying absolutely I cope better than uh, uh, with it than others. Um, I started teaching at the college level and I figured out that my students needed so much help in that department. The same way that you felt that you weren't getting it from the college, I felt that they were not going to get it from the mm-hmm. the school, mm-hmm. you know, other than from me. But I also felt that some of the fundamentals of mindful practice were also missing. And I was really lucky because my mom was a musician and always practiced with me. And I had a fantastic teacher for many, many years who was really great at bringing this to my attention, the the mindful aspect of practicing and making sure it's interesting and engaging for me. And so when I started teaching at the college level, I realized that I really needed to figure out how to help my students bridge this gap between just practicing and crossing your finger and hoping that you perform okay without knowing exactly how to get there. And I was doing my doctorate at the time and was just on a mission to figure out a system to help them and having a lot of conversations with really interesting people and doing a lot of research and kind of feeling I need to go beyond my own studio and record these conversations for myself because I'm a huge nerd and also for my students and hoping that other people would find it valuable. So the research came in to help my own students and then the podcast came afterwards um, when I just felt this desire to to reach more people and see if I could you know help 
uh, others outside of the college context. Got it. You know, there's something very different about the kind of stage fright that you read about on Google, because if you really do just kind of a light search, you're not really doing heavy research. Stage fright is really just public speaking. There's not a lot of addressing for what happens with performance artists, specifically instrumentalists. You know, if you're just speaking, it's very, very different from when you're actually, you know, trying to land very, very difficult passages uh, with your fingers. Yes. And I was wondering if you thought there was something really, really unique and different about how stage fright affects us as musicians versus just the common, you know, common Google search of stage fright, the fear of public speaking. Yes. Well, you know, it's very similar to what athletes go through. And if stage fright didn't exist the sports industry would not be spending millions and millions of dollars in coach Mm -hmm. and therapists. They're way ahead of us in this department. And so we know that it's important because Olympians all have coaches. Uh, Basketball teams have not just the regular coach, but they have the mindset coach, um, therapists on staff. So we know that it's hugely, hugely important. And, you know, the difference too with public speaking is that there's so much that we're doing at the same time. And also we perform for long periods of time. And it's the the mechanisms of performing an instrument is so intricate. So we have to make hundreds of decisions within a second and, um, you know, we have the physical stamina, we have the mental stamina, the emotional stamina, all of this needs to come together. So, yes, <laughs> I think uh, performance anxiety is so common. I think everyone experiences it. And to use the same words that you use at the beginning is that some people have just learned how to cope mm-hmm. with it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, many times, you know, I would complain about a performance that had happened and sometimes the advice would be simply to put in more time and to practice more Mm. and you know people always allude to these really really great virtuosi that uh, go out there and you know they they appear to be rock solid but you know there's a lot more to it You, you see I think that performance anxiety when you view it also as a student, like I viewed it as a university student beginning, I was seeing only a very superficial side of the music. I was focused a lot on this technical delivery and technical accuracy. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that even if you're a really, really fantastic virtuoso, let's say technique is coming very easy to you. It's very, let's just say it's automatic to you, right? If your head is not in the right place and you're still having these doubts and thoughts like you're practically having a war going on inside your mind. Yeah. There's no way that you can give a really heartfelt and sincere performance. And, you know, there came a time in my life where I was finally able to play at some venues and, and play for some concert series and things that I really wanted to, to play in. I mean, I was always thinking about it. I made a plan to do it. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I'll be darned if I go out there on this particular stage that I was dreaming of for like a decade, uh, you know, as a university student, and not enjoy it, not not take it in. And it, there was there was a big shift for me. I began working a little bit more, uh, I guess, 
in a more focused way on this whole performance anxiety thing, the goal changed. Yeah. And the goal stopped being something. Uh, in the beginning, it was something along the lines of, I don't want to fail or embarrass myself or miss a lot of notes or, uh, you know, give, uh, you know, a technically sloppy performance. And the goal became, wait a second, first and foremost, from my end, I have to be present. I have to be aware of the audience. I, I have to feel the space of the venue uh, in order to give a very, very sincere performance. And I also started thinking back about the performances in the beginning that had actually inspired me to play. And, you know, some of those performances were actually not professional musicians. I would just sometimes see somebody that played a classical guitar and, and performed kind of a couple of pieces. And I I enjoyed just that connection with that with that person. I mean, they were enjoying what they were doing. They were very sincere with what they were doing on stage. And I got introduced to the pieces, and I really, really enjoyed it. So I, I think there was just a shift. I was, I was thinking that the, a lot of the performance anxiety I had in the beginning, and especially as a university student in my bachelor's, it wasn't working towards my overall purpose of why I was a musician and why I was performing, why I was teaching. You know, all there were there were a lot of the same reasons for why I was doing these things, and none of them had to do with oh. You know, I'll get out there and I'll have a memory slip in in the, the the Bach partita, and you know, I'll it'll be embarrassing and stuff like that. That had really nothing to do with what my goals were. So I think that that was also really helpful. That kind of shift. Yeah, it's absolutely. I think the listeners can't see me, but I'm just nodding along. <laughs> I agree with you. It's so closely connected with our purpose. To use your word. That's so important, and it's so great that you had this realization. And it was the same for me where a few years ago, I remember thinking, I was right before performance and just feeling so miserable and so nervous. And because even with all of my training, there are some times where we forget and we're human. So some circumstances uh, trigger some feelings in us and some thoughts in us. And I, I remember just being backstage and feeling so miserable and thinking, if that's how it's going to feel, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Like, this is not enjoyable. And right before I, it was about time to go on stage, I realized, wait, but I, we've rehearsed. I'm ready. I'm afraid of something that hasn't happened yet because I, I am forgetting that this is all about love and joy. And in that moment, I thought, I'm just going to play from a place of love and joy. And that mantra has stayed with me ever since. Play from a love, a place of love and joy. Play from a place of love and joy. And that's something that I use a lot in uh, my process cues and my visualiz visualization exercises. And I like your analogy of war. That's one I use myself, actually, also, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is so correct what you're saying in terms of when we have all of these thoughts going through our minds as we're performing it is a war that's happening inside. And I think that the difference between expert performers is that they have the experience of performing. They've performed a lot and a lot, a lot, a lot. And as great uh, war generals, if we continue with uh, this little uh, gruesome uh, analogy, they have the experience of they know where to expend the energy so they have the fewer casualties. So they know to focus on what aspect. And I think that's what happens with experienced performers is they, they have those doubts too, but they are able to rechannel 
their energy, rechannel their thoughts, and go back to the strategies that they have and work. They fall back on their training. And I think that the way that I can the most simply explain my approach to this is if we see performance preparation as uh, three pillars, and that's something that I have on a uh, free webinar that's available on my website at mindoverfingered.com called The Confident Musician. So we have preparation, conditioning, and mind management. And most people stop at the first pillar. And, you know, we could also see it as a triangle because it's, it's not really three pillars and they're all associated with each other. They are all um, in symbiosis. So let's say the one aspect of the pillar, one side of the triangle is the preparation. And that's where most people stop. And as you were saying earlier, so you just kept on practicing and, you know, you, you practice and practice some more and the more nervous you get, the more you practice. But that's just one aspect. We get to the conditioning part where some people venture nowadays because there's a lot more information about it. And this is everything that we do with mock performances and visualization and all of the things that we've learned from sports psychology, actually. So that's your conditioning. And so some people venture there, but not a whole lot of people enter the third pillar or that third side of the triangle, which is the mind management. And for me, that's where all of the magic happens, where everything, where the preparation and the conditioning come together. It's in that third mind management pillar. And that's why I got certified as a life coach as well, because my clients are human, <laughs> you know, they're human beings. And all of these thoughts and their these feelings that we're having, we need to address them, we need to understand them. And so for me, if someone is able to have the proper preparation, the full preparation, and then do enough of the conditioning, it's so much more than people think. The the conditioning part, the mock performances, the adversity training is so much, so much more than people think. But then without mind management, you can prepare yourself uh, not as well as possible. Uh, with no mind management, you could actually condition yourself for fear, you could make things worse by sort of um, inflicting micro trauma on yourself. Uh, so that mind management aspect brings everything together. And I'm so glad that thanks to people like you who bring this on your podcast and so many more people spreading the word about the importance of, of that mind management aspect and, you know, mental health and all of this, a lot more people are now aware of that, that third pillar. So for me, in my work with my clients and also my own preparation, because I'm still performing, those are the three things that I want to address. So that preparation, conditioning, and the mind management. What you were saying was reminding me of a quote that you had on social media that I really enjoyed and I believe too. It's You said, when you're serious about getting a hold of performance anxiety, you need more than just a series of techniques tricks and ways to practice you need a complete mindset shift mm. ultimately what happens with performance anxiety is it always just creeps its way back in and if you don't have your your head in the right place as far as why you're walking on that stage what music means to you what sharing music means to you you're never going to get yourself into a place where you're sort of 
untouchable. You're always you're always going to worry about you know what other people are thinking when you play. You're you're always going to beat yourself up when you don't do well. And yeah, it's very hard to get away from that. It, people don't realize how important this is. Of the you know the two really big issues, like I said in the beginning, that I sought out to research, which is how to practice and how to manage performance anxiety. I still think performance anxiety. It's got to be the biggest impact because what it's doing is it's driving people away from enjoying sharing the the music on their instrument. That's it's what it's really doing, and it's creating a very negative relationship not only with yourself, with your with your instrument, with your music, and it, you know it's it's a catastrophe because all of this work is put in, and you, you know you you hate it essentially. I mean, you hate it because you you hate the way that the the music is coming out on on stage and you're um, just constantly thinking about it as well after it happens so yeah it just I think it's really really important to for people to focus on this and people are a little bit afraid I think to talk about it it's I, I also really admire what you do on the the mind over finger podcast it, it's it's important to to be real on this issue and it ha- it's it's something that is part of a lot of people. It's it's not just a, an issue for beginners, or it's not an issue for people that you know didn't practice enough before an audition, before a concert. That's uh, that's really not. It doesn't stop there. It's a, it's a much larger issue, I think. Oh yes, I agree one hundred percent with you. I really want everybody to check out Mind Over Finger. This is an excellent podcast, and uh, yeah, it was just a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your work in spreading the word about performance anxiety and how to find, you know, that joy that you talked about earlier and that spark. 